Once again, it's Crossover Thursday here on the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm Chris Carter with the Locked On Steelers Podcast. We're going to be joined by your boy Q of the Locked On Raiders Podcast, breaking down this Week 2 matchup between two story franchises who are both 1-0 out of Week 1. It's going to be an exciting episode. Let's get into it. You are Locked On Steelers, your daily Pittsburgh Steelers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to the Locked On Steelers podcast. I'm your host, Chris Carter, bringing you your daily dose of all things on the Pittsburgh Steelers. Joined today, we are joined by a guest that you hear me often with on the Locked On NFL podcast, your boy Q, host of the Locked On Raiders, Q this is we're just in our in our normal rhythm here like like we do this every week anyways now locked on Steelers fans if you haven't heard those episodes which you should have now you get to hear the realness that we are as a duo yeah absolutely and I'd like to start off and say the ball was an incompletion <laughs> so you are our tip first of all okay how was it incompletion he's talking of course he's talking about the immaculate reception we can't go two minutes into the episode literally i am looking at my timer it says one minute and 30 seconds and you sir i've already brought up the immaculate inter- the immaculate reception inter- interception <laughs> well, see, the immaculate interception is james harrison in the super bowl that's a whole other play you know gotcha. in Pittsburgh, so many things that were are immaculate about the franchise i don't know about the raiders they, they don't yeah, they got a couple things that are kind of cool you lost to the bucket ears in the Super Bowl, uh, but uh, when you look when you look at the immaculate reception, it's clear the ball never touched the ground. It's t- it's perfectly fine. You see, Franco Harris's hands are under the ball. There's a whole statue. Q, when you fly into Pittsburgh, you're gonna have to walk past the Franco Harris statue of him catching the ball. When you get here, I want to make sure that you take a picture of yourself with that statue. I just want to make sure that you do that. I've taken a picture with him. <laughs> I- <laughs> I'm so you told him he didn't catch the ball. You know, it's funny, actually, and I know this is totally off subject, but yeah, I was at the Super Bowl in uh, in <laughs> Miami when uh, the 49ers, no, not the, yeah, the 49ers played uh, Kansas the City and they lost. Oh, and they were interviewing him, and he saw that I, you know, I had some Raiders ties, and, and he saw that I was doing the Lockdown Raiders podcast. I was, I was uh, the host of that show, and he said, Oh my goodness, how did I get around a Raider? And so I just put him on the spot and I said, Hey, look. I just want to know because he was asking for that play to be, I think, like the best play ever in NFL history. They were they were voting on what the best plays were. And I said, I'll I'll vote for you if you just admit that the ball hit the ground. And he said and he he was so slick. He flipped it around on me and said, I'll tell you the truth if you vote for me. (laughs) Franco's amazing, man. He's he's one of the best. Great dude. I just want to start off the show with that. Oh, that's a good one. Well, let's let's get into the actual matchup at hand. Now, Steelers fans were up late watching this game, not just because the Raiders are the next opponent, but because you were playing played the, the nemesis, the Baltimore Ravens, and yeah. you guys put out a gutsy overtime win uh, in crazy fashion. Uh, but there were a lot of things to glean from this win. Q, I wanted to ask about this defensive front because Max Crosby was bringing it. Also, Steelers fans were happy to show the world because everyone said, oh, you're crazy for letting Alejandro Villanueva go. And then they're like, oh, okay, let's see how he does. And week one, he's a turnstile and they're getting through. But how how confident were Raiders fans and yourself as a person who covers the Raiders, Raiders 
about this defensive front and their ability to get after the ball. And, and I believe Cleveland Farrell, the guy that was a top 10 pick not too long ago, was a healthy scratch in this game, and they still were bringing the heat. Yeah, you know, the thing about it is all through training camp and through preseason, I've been saying that Max Crosby looks fast. He looks faster than he has his first two years in the league. And, you know, funny story, and you probably heard it by now if you watch the Monday Night Football uh, broadcast, they talked about it. He's, you know, more than 18 months sober now. Last year, his second year in the league, he looked a little sluggish and nobody knew why, but he admitted, he said, hey, I was lost in the sauce, you know, meaning he was out partying too much, drinking too much and just couldn't handle it. He's now sober and he's out there doing his thing and he looks the part. He looks so fast. He looks so quick and he has more tools on his tool belt to get to the quarterback. The other thing about this is that he's been teamed up with Unique Ngakwe, who the Raiders picked up as a free agent. And so that takes a lot of attention off of him as well because you got Unique on one end, you got Max on the other. So it kind of balances out. There's no need for double teams or you can't really double team one because the other's going to get to you. Right. So I think that he's also helped Max Crosby grow a lot. But Max has really matured, man. That's a hell of a player. I don't know if Ngakwe is going to play on Sunday. I'm actually be kind of surprised if he does. He's dealing with a hamstring injury. Yeah, but uh, Max is Max is a dude, man. He's he's a hell of a player, and uh, I'm excited to see what the rest of his uh, his year three looks like because I, I think he has a potential to be real special. He certainly looked like it in week one. I mean, he was getting after. He was chasing Lamar Jackson everywhere. Uh, Carl yeah. Nasty was also getting after it. Yep. Uh, I, I wanted to flip to the offense to talk about Darren Waller in particular. When we asked Mike Tomlin on his Tomlin Tuesday press conference, he said Darren Waller is like the closest thing we got to him as a Chase Claypool because we don't have a tight end that's built like him and runs like him. And he is that big, but that athletic and can challenge you in so many different ways. He's, you know, it, it, when I was watching the broadcast, they talked about how Darren Waller went through a similar thing as Max Crosby. He needed to get sober so that he could be at his best. Yeah. Um, what has really matured for him, for Darren Waller? What's kind of clicked in for this guy to be the phenomenal tight end presence that he has been for, for the, uh, for the Raiders? You know, it's just being clean, man. You mentioned it's clean. It's not just alcohol. It was drugs. It was everything. I mean, when he was in Baltimore, uh, when he first got into the league, man, he was suspended so many times. He looked like he was going to get suspended right out the league yeah. just because he couldn't stay clean. And so now he's been clean. And him and, and Max are a cool story. And it's funny because the Raiders, I feel like, are full of stories. You know, you got Max Crosby clean. You got Darren Waller clean. Carl Nassib comes out and says he's gay. And that's cool. It's like they have all this collection of characters on their team. Yeah. And I, I just think that it's cool to be able to do that and to be accepted by your your locker mates and your your teammates and everything like that. But Darren Waller, man, he he's always been a great wide receiver slash tight end going back to, you know, even college, you know, at Georgia Tech. But he just he he just the extracurricular activities he couldn't handle. And so now that he's not that and he's just allowing his pure athleticism and his skill uh, and his want to to get better. I mean, he's he's no doubt about it. Top three tight end in the league. And I don't care who you where you put him. You can say George Kittle, Travis Kelsey, Darren Waller. You can say Travis Kelsey, George Kittle, Darren Waller. You can say Darren Waller, Travis Kelsey. George, it don't matter. Top three. You're top three. You're, you're one of the best of the best of the best in the league right now. And that's who Darren Waller is. And that's Derek Carr's number one guy. As you saw on Monday night, he targeted him 19 times. 19 so, times. <laughs> That's a lot of targets, man. It's a lot of targets. So that just shows you how much Derek Carr and John Gruden want Darren Waller involved in the offense. 
it's going to be an intriguing, intriguing matchup because the Steelers were the number two team at stopping tight ends last year. So with Devin Bush healthy, with Minka Fitzpatrick healthy, and Terrell yeah. Edmonds there, and Joe Schober, there's going to be a lot of guys that are going to challenge Darren Waller. I'm very intrigued to see who they try to who who gets matched up with him the most throughout all those targets. Uh, and we could talk about Henry Ruggs. We could talk about Josh Jacobs, who I I love as a player. I think he's a phenomenal running back. I have him on like four fantasy teams. Um, <laughs> But uh, but we got to my last question has to be about Derek Carr. How did you evaluate his first game? Because I, I felt like, you know, in the end, he came through. I mean, that yeah. pass that got turned back from being a touchdown was a phenomenal throw right down the sideline, dropped in the in the bread basket. But um, you know, there were several passes. I felt like he hung his guys out to dry. And maybe that was the rust. Maybe that's just who he is because he, he like he's more of a deep ball guy anyways. But where do you think he is? in his career right now is is this the pinnacle Derek Carr or are there things he has to clean up before we see how good he can be again you know I think he's really you know at the top of his game right now he had a hell of a season last year uh, even though the Raiders only went eight and eight but he still had a hell of a year uh, put up some career high numbers and I think what you saw Monday night early on especially was the product of not playing in the preseason you Mm -hmm. know and Coaches got to make that tough decision. Play and try to get in a rhythm or don't play, stay healthy, and then worry about it in week one. John Gruden made the decision to, well, just go ahead and hold him out and wait till week one. And you saw Derek Carr miss high. Uh, Derek Carr, like you said, left a few of his players out to dry. Uh, Derek Carr really targeted in on Darren Waller and didn't see some guys open, like Henry Ruggs streaking down the field wide open. Could have hit him for a touchdown, missed him. Then one time he didn't target Darren Waller, and he was wide open for a touchdown down the field. He just was off. He wasn't in a comfortable rhythm, a comfortable place. Probably should have been intercepted two or three times, including one from Marlon Humphrey that was an interception that Humphrey didn't want. Yeah, Humphrey didn't want. He he, you know, he, was, he he said he didn't the know the ball part. was there. I, it was yeah. literally in his hand. I was like, what are you yeah. doing? <laughs> it was nuts. In the press box, I, I looked at the guy sitting next to me. I said, I think that was the interception. I never saw the ball hit the ground. But nobody ever said anything about it. Nobody ever reviewed it. So I said, okay, well, whatever. And then come to find out a little bit later, like, yeah, that was the interception. But he just threw it on the ground and didn't even think about it. So it is what it is, I guess. But, um, yeah, I mean, once he got into a rhythm, though, once you start, start really saw – clicking and really when they needed it the most is when he came through ended up putting up a a bunch of numbers like 435 yards total uh number one passer in the league in week one which is weird the way he started but uh yeah man i I, Derek carr is 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 fine he's a a a damn good quarterback and he's he's the guy that's going to be in charge of leading this team uh you know moving forward at least getting that offense cooking and i mean you put up 33 points against the baltimore ravens and that defense you're doing something pretty good Indeed, and it'll be an interesting matchup with the Steelers defense. We're going to get to Q's questions to me about the Steelers in the second segment here. But first, I got to tell you guys about our sponsors, Bet Online. It's that time of the year again, and all eyes are now turning to football as teams are back on the gridiron to start the football season. As always, Bet Online is your number one spot for all the pro and college football action this season. Get all the updated odds, props, and contests, including the half million dollar NFL Mega Contest and the $200,000 NFL Survivor Contest, both open right now at Bet Online. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today to receive your 100% welcome bonus when you sign up. And when you go there, you want to look to see whatever promos are going on because oftentimes they'll have you make a a single bet that could go for really good money and they can sometimes even refund your your wager if you lose up to $25. But go check out, see what promos are on BetOnline right now. It's the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports from football to basketball to boxing right down to horse racing. Don't wait to take advantage of all the great offers available for the 2021 season at BetOnline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. 
back here on the Locked On Steelers podcast. We're doing crossover Thursday with Locked On Raiders. Q, I know that you got some questions about the Steelers. Even though we talk about our teams all the time on Locked On NFL, we do go back and forth. First of all, if, if you're a Steelers fan or, or Raiders fan, listen to this and you don't listen to the Locked On NFL podcast, you or if you do listen to it, you know that we go back and forth about Steeler Nation and Raider Nation. No such thing as Steeler Nation. See, here we go. Yeah, yeah, we, I can't even finish the sentence, and this man is out here saying – Not even a real sentence. It, you know it, what it, I mean? It's like a run-on sentence. <laughs> it doesn't exist. But see, here's the thing. Steeler Nation is totally a thing. He denies not, it. When you come not. to Heinz Field, sir, you Big will know thing what too. Steeler Nation is. There yeah, will be it's Steeler about Nation as real signs. as Bigfoot. There are Steel Nation. There's Steel Nation corporations. There's it's, about as big, it's about companies. as real as a unicorn. Uh, okay, well, guess what? It's going to be real and in your face. It's going to be a whole bunch of unicorns. It's about as real as a gold bucket at the end of the damn rainbow. <laughs> guess what, man? That gold bucket's going to be hitting you in the face when you get to Heinz Field. There's going to be a lot of gold there. It's about as real as equal employment opportunity. <laughs> oh, now we're getting political, sir. You need to calm down. <laughs> This is why I kid, I kid, I kid, I kid. But he, but he's serious. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but Q, uh, I know you got questions about the Steelers. Hit yeah. me with some of your thoughts as far as what you've seen so far. Yeah, no doubt, man, because obviously the Steelers' uh, big victory over the Buffalo Bills on the road against Buffalo. And really, Chris, I, I really want to know how big of a victory was that for week one and how does that kind of – I don't say want to say give them confidence because a Mike Tomlin-led team doesn't need confidence, but how much does that help boost them going into you know week two, week three, week four, knowing that they went on the road and, and battled with a tough Buffalo team that has given them fits in the past and came away with that victory? Well, you're right about the Fitz part. The, Buff the Bills have beaten the Steelers the last two years, both in Heinz Field and in Buffalo. Um, but one thing that we talked about all week leading up to it was in both of those games, the Steelers were just drastically behind in injuries. They were down to a fourth-string rookie undrafted quarterback in 2019. And then in 2020, they were missing Devin Bush, Bud Dupree, Joe Hayden. Uh, they were, I think they were down to their fourth and fifth string inside linebackers. And eventually, when the Bills realized that, they were like, oh, we, we should throw to that part of the field, the middle of the field, attack there, right? And that was how they started scoring that year. But the, that never manifested in this game. And what I will say for the confidence factor of the Steelers is when I look at how this team operates. You know, Ben Roethlisberger, TJ Watt, Cam Hayward, Mika Fitzpatrick, they, they know the deal. They don't need the confidence. But the Steelers started six rookies in this game. They started Trey Norwood, a seventh-round safety in the slot. Yeah. And he kind of bounced all around the field. Kendrick Green at center. Dan Moore at left tackle. Najee Harris at, at running back. Pat Fryermuth at tight end. And Presley Harvin as the punter. And I know like, it's kind of cheap counting the punter as, as a sixth starter. But he's a rookie, and he started. Yeah. Um, and I, I think, if nothing else, it got those guys to buy into, man, all this stuff that we've been seeing and hearing and all these, it really means something because right. we came in here and that was the number two offense from 2020. That was the team that was in the AFC championship, pushing the chiefs into the fourth quarter. That was the team that a lot of people had pegged as the top five or number, maybe even the number three team. I mean, we had our power rankings released for week one on the locked on podcast network. And I think the bills were a consensus number three. They only dropped out and number five after the loss. But, um, you know, everyone's expecting a lot from that troll everything they wanted to control. And the offense well, started, but once they did, they scored on every possession in the second half until they needed to kneel the confidence there. And because they didn't do everything perfect. And, and, they, and they know they didn't do everything perfect. But when you can get 
when you can learn lessons, when you can make mistakes and be like, all right, we need to clean this up and come away with a W, that's a huge week, especially on the road against an opponent, like you said, like the Buffalo Bills. Yeah, no doubt about it. It was a very impressive victory, an entertaining game to watch on Sunday as I was waiting for the Monday night football game, obviously, but a very entertaining game to watch. Uh, Let me ask you this, because the Raiders dealing with, you know, offensive line issues, they kind of put their offensive line together, had three new starters uh, along the O-line. You just mentioned a couple uh, rookies that are on the Pittsburgh Steelers offensive line. Uh, How how quickly can they come together? Uh, How long do you think it's going to take for that O-line to come together? And, And what did you see from them week one? Well, I'll tell you what, it was that was actually my question to Mike Tomlin on Tuesday when he spoke at his press conference was his okay. assessment. And, and he said what how I evaluated on film. He said they were spirited. He said they gave effort. He said he saw the fight that he wanted to see. And, and the whole emphasis of this offensive line is we have to be physical. We have to be mean. We have to be nasty. Because last year with an older offensive line, they were more passive. They did more things to sort of protect the older guys so that Marquise Pouncey, David DeCastro, Alejandro Villanueva weren't getting into situations that they would be more likely to get hurt or, you know, putting them out in in a more physical, intense situations where they might lose some of those guys because they wanted their continuity. Well, that continuity is gone. Although Marquise Pouncey retired, David DeCastro is still a free agent recovering from a surgery. Villanueva just got his butt kicked with the, with the rate, with the Ravens. Um, Now you got these guys lining in. And I will say this across the board, except for maybe the right tackle Takuma core for everybody had a very physical game. Dan Moore jr. Even though he's a fourth round rookie, he looked very good at left tackle Kendrick Green I mean there there was a play cue if you can go back and look up the 25 yard jet sweep to Chase Claypool there's Chase Claypool running out at full speed but there's one guy ahead of him who was a stealer and it was the center Kendrick Green and you just see this 300 pound man moving down the sideline and it's just like he's a freight train you don't want to be on the other side of it that part of the physicality along with Trey Turner the veteran that they signed uh, to the offensive line they were getting after it. There were times they were slamming people. They were getting into it. They were physical. But Mike Tomlin said, we got to see the skill come now. We got to see these guys start to polish their game and understand how to work together, how to chip together, double team together, and get to the backers and understand that chemistry. That's going to take time. I don't think the Steelers will officially see that level of continuity until maybe week seven or eight in the middle of the season. But I do see this team willing to win one-on-one matchups with this offensive line. Like if, if, if the Steelers can communicate and one thing that also the factors in, they had to use a silent count and they had very few procedural penalties in this game, which Mike Tomlin said, I, he didn't even expect. He's like, I I expected to be in a lot more first and 15s in this game with, you know, with a hostile crowd with two rookies starting on the offensive line. And there, that wasn't the case. Everyone was on point. Now you're going to be at Heinz field where more friendlier crowd to you, a little bit quieter so you can hear each other and you're going to be able to go out there and and, and make those calls I I think you're going to see a little bit better of an offensive line Um, and and you kind of also saw in that fourth quarter when the Steelers started to run the ball more Najee Harris was starting to feel it too I I think there's going to be some jitters knocked off in this game but I will not say that this offensive line is is all the way ready yet this is going to be a major challenge by that Raiders defense like you said what would you say is your biggest concern about the team still? I mean, week one, it's only it's only the first game. Of course, they're still they're still trying to gel. Preseason, we know it's not uh, the normal preseason. It's not normally, you know, where guys go out there and play a whole lot of time. So they're not going to be in midseason form. But what's your biggest concern about the Steelers coming out of week one? Well, it is that offensive line, and for two for two reasons. One, Ben Roethlisberger. You know, he was fine for most of the game. He he got sacked twice, got hit a couple times, um, and he picked himself up. And he looked like he was fine finishing. They said he said, "Yeah, I was pretty sore afterwards." You know, he's thirty nine years old. He's gonna he's gonna feel like that. But 
um, you know, the worry is that it, it only takes one shot to 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 end somebody's right. end somebody's week and somebody's season. And Ben Ben Roethlisberger, his arm is fine, his body is fine. Like he he's he is in shape and ready to go, and 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 they they're fine with where he is physically. But this offensive line, they they have to kind of continue to protect him. Now, I will say this: when if I was to say which was better in the, in that Bills game. The pass protection was much better than the run blocking. They they okay. had the communication down and they were passing off guys and they were facing Jerry Hughes, Ed Oliver, Tremaine Edmonds, guys flying in them from all over the place. They were able to get that done. So I, I think that's a good sign. But this Steelers team wants to run the ball. That's why they drafted Najee Harris and they really didn't get to do so in in the in the first uh, half of the game until it well the first three quarters I even say so. Right. Biggest concern, can they get that run game going? Because if Najee Harris becomes a consistent force for this team, they are right up there with the best teams in the league because that defense, I do believe, is elite. I do stay still, I do stand by. They are going to be the best defense in football this year with the continuity that they have on that side of the ball. Um, I, I stand by that. If they can run the ball effectively and make it so that now teams can't just play into, oh, they're going to Juju or, oh, they're throwing a deep ball to Claypool, right. then they're going to be able to, to work with that. But also watch out for Deontay Johnson because he's coming on this year and he has much more secure hands than he did last year. So offensive line, definitely still the biggest concern on this team. Well, let me flip it over to the defensive side of things. Uh, we mentioned Darren Waller before about how he's the big-time target. Um, how do you expect them to defend him? Is it going to be one single guy? I know you kind of spoke on it already, but just how do you think that they try to slow down Darren Waller? And then there is there a weakness in the, in the Steelers' defense that you could see that maybe the Raiders could try to exploit? Well, if I'm the Raiders, I look to try to find where Trey Norwood is, and I try to attack yeah. him, the seventh-round rookie out of Oklahoma. Now, Trey Norwood's been very smart. The reason yeah. he's out there is because he communicates. He plays in the slot well. He plays in he plays deep safety well. I'd say the slot less than free than, than free safety, um, but that's kind of where they have things have him lined up right now. Is they're they're moving him around so that they can move Minka Fitzpatrick around. But I guarantee you this: it will not be a one man job on Darren Waller. Right. You're going to see Devin Bush on him. You're going to see Joe Schobert on him. You're going to see Terrell Edmonds on him. You might even see T.J. Watt kind of bump him at the line to try to, to, to try to help with that. And then you'll see a guy. You might even see Minka Fitzpatrick on him. Uh, mm -hmm. But the the Steelers have guys. They're confident in taking away the middle of the field. I did a whole. Carter's classroom, my, my my weekly film analysis that I do for DK Pittsburgh Sports on how they're disguising Minka Fitzpatrick. Because so many times now, it, it used to be with the Steelers, Minka was the deep safety, Joe Hayden was this corner, Steven Nelson was this corner, Mike Hilton was the slot, and they just roll. And then Terrell Evans was in the box, and they just rolled with that. But now it's Joe Hayden over here. Cam Sutton might be on the outside, might be in the slot. Trey Norwood might bump into the slot. Minka might bluff bump into the slot. Arthur Mallette might bump into the slot. And then Terrell Evans might help. And then they keep the two linebackers on the field. They're switching so many things up, but part of this cue is because they are just rushing four guys now. You're used to seeing Blitzburg, the Steelers, rushing in right. an extra linebacker, rushing in an extra cornerback. They're trusting their front four of Cam Hayward, Tyson Alulu, and then the mix of whether it's Melvin Ingram or TJ Watt or Alex Highsmith or sometimes all three at the same time coming from different directions. They are happy with those mix of guys. And that's why they're able to play with that back seven so much. So if I'm the Raiders, I would want to go after Trey Norwood because he's the he's the one guy on the defense that still has to prove himself. Um, the other guys are all experienced vets who have had success in the NFL. And yeah, especially Mika Fitzpatrick, you want to avoid him at, at, at all costs. 
You know, and, and yeah, that makes a lot of sense, man. And that defense is is outstanding. You know, the Raiders had to face the Ravens defense in week one. They got the Steelers in week two, so it doesn't get any easier. And my final question for you is, and you mentioned two of the four, well, you mentioned two guys, Cam Hayward and TJ Watt. Those dudes are special, man. And I ain't got to tell you how special they are, but the Raiders, they're rebuilding their offensive line as well. They have a new center. They have a rookie left guard, or a right guard, excuse me. Uh, they, they're right, uh, they're the right, no, the right tackle. They have a rookie right tackle and a, and a right guard that's all of a sudden going to be new because their right guard, uh, Denzel Good, is at Torres ACL. Uh, Richie Incognito might not be there, so they may have a new left guard. I mean, who knows? But that's a that's a reconstructed offensive line. Let's put it like that. How much do you think Cam Hayward and TJ Watt are licking their chops to get after that that Raider offensive line? Well, one thing the Steelers always say is that we play nameless gray faces. And and when they say that, it's not a disrespect. It's funny because they said that about the Browns and the Browns heard it like, oh, we're we're so disrespected. But I'm like, right. it's just like we say this every week. This is literally what Mike Tomlin tells us every week. It doesn't matter who you line up against, whether they're an all pro superstar player or they're a practice squad guy that was signed up yesterday. You got to go in with your keys to beat this guy as if he was the best player on earth and you cannot slack off. So the Steelers are going to come into this game. They're not going to come in here trying to say like, oh, yeah, Alex Leatherwood. Yeah, sure. Rookie guy. We'll, we'll take it easy on. Him. No, they're going to TJ Watts going to be all right. We are. I mean, yeah, sure. Lick your chops. But he's going to be like, I got to do what I do every single week to, to, to be a beast. You saw the problems he became for the Bills. He sacked Josh Allen twice, forced a key fumble in the game. Um, that was recovered by the Steelers. Cam Hayward, though, might have been the best player of the game. He had like 11 pressures on Josh Allen, two yeah. batted passes and a sack. Um, and he recovered the fumble that T.J. Watt forced. Uh, you, you look at those performances and you can't ignore um, what, what they do. And still, Alex Highsmith and Melvin Ingram both were drawing holding penalty after holding penalty after holding penalty. And they could have been called more against the Bills when you look back on tape. I mean, they were just plays where they're, they're, they were just grabbing onto their waists and, t- and tugging them to the ground and no call was coming. So right. it, it's. Is, are they looking at their chops? Yes, but not in the sense like, oh, yeah, these guys are some bums. They're going to look at them like, okay, we, we had a good week last week. Let's have right. a great week this week. And, and uh, the biggest thing for the Steelers is that they got to stay healthy. But, you know, if they keep that continuity up front, you know, do that and see what the Raiders' plan is to counter that because I would expect Derek Carr to try to, to get some quick passes off to try to, hey, let's neutralize that pass rush. Let's get yeah. the ball to Josh Jacobs out in space and find ways to, to stop it. TJ Watt and Cam Hayward from getting after us. So that's going to be big. We're going to be back and talk about some matchups. We're each going to give a matchup we like and we don't like about the teams that we cover. But first, I got to tell you guys about our sponsors, rockauto.com. Save time and money by you use Rock Auto. Why choose to spend 30%, 50%, or even 100% more for the same parts from a chain store or car dealership? For example, a Honda Odyssey fuel pump is $353 from the chain store, but only $216 from Rock Auto. Rock Auto is a family-owned business serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years. Rock Auto's prices are reliable low for every customer they have everything you could need from brake parts to tail lamps to motor oil and even new carpet for your car go explore their easy to use website today to find the solution for your auto part needs go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck when you get there write locked on in their how did you hear about us box so that they know that we sent you amazing selection reliably low prices all the parts your car will ever need visit rockauto.com today and tell them that locked on sent you Back here on the Locked On Steelers podcast, I'm Chris Carter, here with your boy Q, finishing up crossover Thursday with Steelers Raiders. Now, Q, I did this with Joe Marino with Locked On Bills, and we wanted to give each of us a matchup that you think the teams should look forward to 
and a matchup that the team should be a little concerned about. And I'll start by saying the matchup that I think, and we were just talking about it, that the Steelers should really look forward to is that defensive front against a young offensive line that's going to be gelling. They're going to be in front of Steelers Nation. There's going What's to be a thing? loud hand. Yeah, yeah, there we go. I was waiting What's for that. Thing, yeah, they're going to be in front of a loud Heinz field. They're going to be playing. When, when the game gets tight, they're, they're going to play Renegade, the famous song from Sticks. The terrible towels are going to get twirling. That you know They're going to be looking around like, oh, my goodness, and TJ Watt's going to be lining up over there. That's the matchup that the Steelers need to abuse. And one thing I always look for is how much better is the is your defensive line than the offensive line compared to the opponent's defensive line to your offensive line? Because if you can control the trenches on both sides of the ball, or at least be better on your defensive side than theirs, then that gives you a key edge in the game. That's my key edge for the Steelers in a, as far as the matchups that I think will really work for them. Like you said, a lot, you know, a rookie there, uh, injuries, right. uh, you know, throughout. That could be something they really need to exploit and get after Derek Carr to make his life miserable in this game. But what's a matchup that you're looking forward to seeing with the Raiders? Well, you know, it's funny. I mean, it's, I'm looking at the Steelers' defense. I'm looking at the Steelers' offense and thinking, man, there's a lot of things to like about it. Uh, but one thing I do like, even though I'm not sure if Unique Ngakwe is going to play and most likely he probably won't dealing with the hamstring, I, I like the, the Raiders' defensive line. I really do. I like what they've been able to do. They only blitz Lamar Jackson on Monday twice. That's it. The, the, the Baltimore Dang. Ravens, they blitzed Derek Carr 17 times, and Derek Carr was very effective, uh, in, you know, defeating that blitz, including throwing the, the game-winning uh, touchdown pass in overtime. So I feel pretty confident there that, you know, if, if Pittsburgh is, is getting to him, he'll get the ball out of his hands pretty quickly. But I like the fact that I think that this Raiders defensive line is good enough to get there with their front four, where they don't have to blitz, where they can have more guys kind of sit back, like you mentioned earlier, you know, what the Steelers do. They they they're, they believe in their front four. So I feel like that front four of the, the Raiders' uh, defensive line is going to do some good things against the Steelers' offensive line, who I feel like is kind of in the same position of the Raiders. They're still mixing and matching. They're still putting things together, and they're still waiting for that offensive line to mature. So I look at it as uh, both these teams kind of look similar as far as, you know, how, how they could be built in the trenches. So uh, as the Steelers defensive line is probably going to be a strength for them against the Raiders offensive line. I think the Raiders offensive line is going to be a strength against that Steelers uh, offensive line. Yeah, I feel you on that. It's something that Mike Tomlin was talking about at length. Uh, ben Roethlisberger also talked about it, but he said, you know, Matt Crosby, he brought up how he was a, a Mac guy. He's a Mac, yeah, yeah, ben he's loves his, yeah, he loves his Mac college players. Um, but he, that, that's certainly going to be a matchup they look forward to. Now, Q, my matchup, I'm going to cop out here. This isn't like a an on-field observation. This is just a, knowing the history of these two teams. Over the last decade, it easily you'd say the Steelers had more overall success than the Raiders. But whenever these two teams have played since 2012, which the, was the last four games, the Raiders are three and one against the Steelers. And every time they play something bizarre happens, yeah. you know, uh, whether it's Terrell Pryor breaking out an 80 yard touchdown run, the first play of the game. And then weird yep. things that happen or, or Ben Roethlisberger, the last game he gets a hit goes into the, 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 the medical tunnel, but the x-ray machine doesn't work and then they can't get it to respond. And then they can't put Ben Roethlisberger out because they don't know if he's healthy or not. And then it takes it to the fourth quarter and they're like, okay, you're out there now. And then right. by that time they got, the Steelers got to go into hail Mary mode with him. It's like every time they play the Raiders, something weird happens. And in fact, the, uh, the time the Steelers won, uh, against the Raiders. They had Landry Jones finishing the game because I think Ben got hurt and he yep. had to hit uh, Antonio Brown on a quick slant that set them up for a last second field goal. 
Um, that's their only win in the last 10 years over the Raiders. So my, my big thing matchup is, is the intangible of just things get weird with Steelers Raiders, man. We haven't had like a normal feeling where it's just like straight up. Both teams are really good at the same time. Both teams are healthy at the same time. And, and it's just like, man, you remember that highlight where it was just working out? You no, know, it's like Bruce Gradkowski, like just becoming a superstar out of nowhere. Yeah. Yeah. It's like that bogus. It's like that bogus interception that you talked about at the beginning of the game of uh, the show. What interception? Because uh, I I don't remember an interception being talked about. It was a. Uh, it was uh, you know uh, James Harrison's interception was pretty good. It was a reception you were talking about the immaculate reception, not the interception that you guys still haunt you. It was 1972. It was bogus. You were. Right. I, mean, I know that you were still like 20 was, years it was old. Bogus regardless. I know that you were like 20 years old when the Immaculate Reception happened. So like I know you remember being there in person as a young as a young man. But and I, I still get... look better than you. <laughs> but but you gotta get over it, man. It's 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 long past now. I mean, at this point, you should be more proud about Bo Jackson and Tecmo Super Bowl. Like, come on, man. I don't, man, you know, I can't sign up for any of that bogus stuff that you're talking about. I'll say this though. I'll say this as far as uh, a concern that I have with the, you know, the Raiders in, in this matchup. Uh, I'm just concerned about the the young secondary. Now I know Casey Hayward is not a young dude, but I just think that Big Ben is a is still a magician. Not a magician. That's the wrong word. He's a very good uh, technician when it mm-hmm. comes to throwing the rock around the yard. I mean, he still has a really strong arm, as you know. Uh, he's got really talented wide receiver, especially Chase Claypool, who didn't get involved until uh, later in the game on 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 Sunday. I think he's going to get involved early, and he. Uh, Mike Tomlin said it really well that he's, you know, that Darren Waller is similar to Chase Claypool, except for Darren Waller is a lot bigger. But Claypool, man, even though he's a second year guy, the dude could play, man. He makes some tough catches, really tough acrobatic. He went up and mossed somebody. I think it was White, didn't he? It he Davius White. He got him. Yeah, one of the better corners in the league, and he mossed the hell out of him on Sunday. And so I just think that that may be a mismatch. Uh, right there that's going to, you know, if you put Casey Hayward on there, he's a little bit slower. And if you put Trayvon Mullen, he may not be quite the technician to slow him down. So that's going to be a good matchup. Where's Chase Claypool and who is, who's, you know, covering him in that Raiders secondary? That could be something to pay attention to throughout the course of the game. Absolutely. There's lots of more matchups that that, that, that you could talk about this game. It's going to be a fun one. Sunday, 1 p.m. kickoff at Heinz Field. The Steelers finally get to play in front of a packed stadium. It'll be the first time in two years that Ben Roethlisberger's had the chance to do that. Uh, so huge, huge weekend. And, of course, both teams coming in 1-0. and uh, that that's going to be an exciting matchup. Uh, Q, this is always fun. We get to do this again tomorrow for the Friday episode of the Locked On NFL. Right. Where I'm sure we'll we'll talk more about how there's no such thing as Raiders Nation and they have a Raiders region. There, but there is, there is that's, a Steeler that's there Nation. Is. That's all there is. <laughs> there, yeah, Raiders region, correct? And it's that's Raider right. Nation, brother. It's you're Raider in Nation. Oakland, get it right. Los Angeles. Then you're in Las Vegas. It's like we're you know, worldwide. The place. <laughs> it's a worldwide fan base. Who cares? <laughs> It's a tri-state area. Yeah, that's all you guys are. That's why the Steelers are a nation. You go everywhere and find them. <laughs> I'll go to I'll go to Pittsburgh. I'll be in the press box and I'll show you everything that I need to show you, brother. <laughs> well, okay, we'll see. We'll see about that, good sir. Uh, don't worry, we're getting steak dinners the night before. We're, we're gonna have a good time with that. But Q, thanks so much for doing the crossover Thursday. Let people know where they can find you, follow you, and get more of your work. Well, since I'll be the best looking brother in the press box there on <laughs> Sunday, you can find me there. Especially when I'm sitting next to, uh, you know, the 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 young Drake over here. You know, oh. I'll be a, uh, oh. you know, 
I'll be I'll be shining and he'll be well he'll still be crying and whining but it's all good. Get out of here. here You can find me on Twitter at your boy Q254. I put all my work out there. Locked on Raiders podcast. Locked on bets. Locked on NFL with Chris Carter, who's really my my homeboy. We talk trash, but that's my homeboy. He's a good dude. So uh, yeah, it's all good. He's ugly, but he's a good dude. (laughs) Why are you hating on the light skinned brothers, man? I know, man, because we had beef back in the day, man. Back in the day, yeah, I'm still <laughs> scarred by that, man. Listen, man, we got we're, we got Afrocentricity. We're supposed to be one love out here. You know, I know, but me and David Justice had beef back in the day because <laughs> everyone wanted to have a brother look like David Justice, and nobody wanted to have a brother look like Wesley Snipes. So. <laughs> this is the hilarity that you can get on the Locked On NFL podcast right. Friday. By the way, I'm Chris Carter, your host of Locked On Steelers. You can find the show on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Odyssey, just like you find Q's. You can also find us on YouTube. Subscribe to our YouTube channel; it really helps us out. Also, go Steelers fans! If you enjoyed this show, don't just rate our sh- show five stars with a positive comment. Go and rate Q's show, Locked On Raiders. It really helps. It really helps all of us out at the Locked On Podcast Network. Do the same for the Locked On NFL Podcast. It's a great show. We all do great work. You hear Q. You hear our chemistry. It's awesome. We we appreciate it when you guys do. And also, you know, when you give us a five star review on the Locked On Steelers podcast, we get you a shout out at the end of the show. This one comes from DJP forty eight ninety six. It's a long lot of lot of numbers and names. What is that? Is uh, it inmate number? I, I guess I don't know. But this person <laughs> says, "Love the show, Chris." This is Dakota Pence from Carlisle, PA. So at least he gave me his full government name. Thank you, Dakota. He says, "I love the show. Love waking up to a new show every morning. You do a great job covering the Steelers. Thank you so much, Dakota." He also says, "P.S. From a Lock Haven University grad to a Cheney grad." Thanks for helping us snap that 52-game football losing streak back in 2013. Go Bald Eagles, but here we go, Steelers H2P. Listen, listen, Car- Carlisle. Or no, no, Carlisle. Dakota, because you're from Carlisle. Can't get his name right. Yeah, 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 right. But he, he came at my university, Cheney. First of all, first of all, when I was there, when I was at Cheney, Lock Haven was the only team that Cheney beat for like four years. It was that bad. Like, we're both on the bottom end. It, the funny fact, for those for those who don't know, is that Cheney University is the first historically black college university in the country, founded in 1837. We, have his, we had historically the worst football team for the longest time. If you go back and watch the Waterboy, they do a – the scene where Dan Patrick is talking on ESPN about uh, Adam Sandler's fake stupid university that doesn't exist. And it was put amongst this list of all these other fake universities that had horrible losing records. But among this list of fake universities was Cheney University with, yeah. the, with the worst team. That's how bad we were. Like they did, they, they were like, we're out of fake university names. Yeah, just throw Cheney on there. They are that bad. So thank you for bringing up all that trauma of seeing. I never saw a home Cheney win, not in my any of my four years of being there. I had to listen to it on the radio when they beat. Lock Haven when they beat uh, Lincoln in those years. So thank you, Dakota, for your five-star review and for making me relive that trauma. I'm Chris Carter, Locked On Steelers. He's your boy Q from Locked On Raiders. Thanks for listening to Crossover Thursday. You can catch both of our podcasts on Friday, finishing out the week and getting you predictions. You can also listen to the Friday episode of Locked On NFL, where we will both be right back at it in your ears and on your screens tomorrow.